It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, we appreciate you joining us for another special podcast. This one is draft-focused, uh, in fact, all draft. Um, and this is what we normally do after the Rays have their top picks. We get a chance to speak with them on a one-on-one basis. And in this case, uh, this podcast will be the Rays' top two picks from day one. Nick Bitsko, uh, a high schooler from Pennsylvania, just 17 years of age, but seemingly mature beyond his years. And also shortstop Alika Williams, uh, a talented youngster out of Arizona State, who really the Rays have followed since he was in high school. You hear from both of those guys. And you can also obviously follow the rest of the Rays' picks on our blog which is raceradio.mlblogs.com. Certainly of of the opening round, uh, one of the most interesting stories uh, was the Rays taking Nick Bitsko at 24th overall. And uh, the day after he was selected, I asked the uh, Pennsylvania native if he had a chance to reflect on what all of it meant. I I guess the excitement of actually hearing my name go on the TV, obviously uh, my my people called me before and just let me know, like, hey, you're going to get picked right here kind of thing, make sure everything was good. And I think it was just like actually seeing it happen. I mean, I guess it was a, a surreal moment. Yeah, I mean, almost like we were sitting there through the draft. Like I was sitting next to my dad. I was like, it doesn't feel like I'm actually in this draft. If it makes sense. It's like, it's like, it just doesn't like, it just feels like, oh, I'm just watching as a fan or whatever. But like, then you look around, it's like, oh, I got like 20 people around me, my friends and family and stuff like that. So it was a really cool moment. I think just, I think that's the biggest moment. It's just like, just enjoying my family and my friends and stuff like that. So how much before the name was put on the screen did you hear from um, your representation to tell your or your advisors to tell you you're getting picked? And did you have to hold it in for a little while? What was that like? It told me probably right when the Indians picked. So about five, I mean, I had zero time. I mean, it was literally just a – because he, he always is, like, stressing, like, hey, just be ready to make a decision, like, in a blink of the eye kind of thing. So, um I obviously, it came down to that, obviously, but you know, I mean, it, I think it was the right decision overall. And from your standpoint, um, you mentioned you had about 20 people with you. Who was with you, and, and why was it important to have all those people with you on that night? Yeah, so obviously my parents were there, and then a couple of my high school buddies that I've grown up with through the years on my baseball team, and then I played basketball for a while, so a lot of my friends are on the basketball, high school basketball team and stuff like that. So I always uh, have those guys over for big moments, and then um, – I had a couple of my, my high school coach, my other high school coach, and then a couple of the guys I've trained with or the guy, my trainer, I should say. Um, I had them there just because they had been a crucial part of my, I guess, journey throughout baseball through the last few years and stuff like that and really helped me develop into the, the player and person I am today. And I want to get to that journey, but I want to also touch on the reclassification. And before we get to the decision from a baseball standpoint – how difficult was it as a student? You have to be a pretty darn good student to finish in three years and be admitted to a school like Virginia to play baseball. Correct. Yeah, no, it was it was a difficult process. I had to take – so we, when we first went to the guidance council at our school, we went my sophomore year or whatever it would have been now, my junior, whatever, kind of 
the second year of my high school. Um, but we went in uh, into her office. We were like, hey, so like, what's the process? Is it possible at our school district just to make sure like it actually could work kind of thing? She's like, yeah, you just got to take some online classes. And you could take it during the summer, like this last summer, I could have taken them. But like at the time, it's a little too early in the process to make a really sound decision on this. So we waited until this last fall. We went back into her office and we're like, hey, is it still possible? She's like, yeah, it's going to be a lot of work. You got like five classes to do one topic regularly. So I, what we do at our school, we have block scheduling. So we take four classes a semester. And then um, obviously, so that was kind of the reason that was actually possible just to be able to fit all the credits in uh, from that standpoint. So I had to take five classes, like an extra five, four electives and then a math class. So um, the school district was, uh, I guess, pretty stingy about, you know, I mean, with the grade I had to get on all the, all the stuff and be able to pass the class. And like on the math final, I had to get an 85 on the district final after not even taking the math class in school. So they were um, pushing me, not just like, oh, just get by and just kind of pass through high school kind of thing. Because my school district is uh, uh, very, I guess, demanding, I guess I want to say, for academic wise. And they're uh, highly regarded in the area. But yeah, it was, a, I guess, Difficult process, but once I kind of just got into the groove and figured out, okay, what do I actually have to do with these online classes and learn how to, I guess, manipulate the system and figure out, okay, what's the best way to go about this and kind of just, okay, whenever I got my free time after training after school or on the weekends, I'd sit down for six, seven hours and just kind of plug away and just kind of keep going through it. And I got finished probably about in December. So that was fortunate enough to get it done before we did. So we were making a decision in like March or April. Obviously now it would in the grand scheme of things. So we got everything done and we finished it up probably right before the holiday break in the winter. And then uh, we made the decision, whatever, in early January. How tough a decision was that? Um, and how much of it was based on what happened in the summer and the success you had playing baseball for what, 17 U on the, on the travel ball scene and also a team with the USA? Yeah, I think a lot of it. I mean, obviously, we, we, we considered it the year before, obviously, but I don't think we had, I guess, enough of a, a sound decision to make really at the time. So I would, after the summer, it was just like, I'm ready. I'm ready for the next level, wherever it is, whatever it's pro ball or if it's at Virginia. And I think it was just to take advantage of the resources and get to play against better competition is to just advance my level of playing. And uh, obviously, as a person, I think it will help me too, just kind of getting into I don't want to say the real world, but, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, yeah, I mean, just continue to grow. And I think I'm mature enough. I'm physically ready and mentally ready for whatever is next. And I, I, I take on that adversity whenever it comes kind of thing. You mentioned basketball. So how, at what age did you start playing sports and when did a decision come that baseball was going to be your primary? Yeah. So I started playing sports whenever, I probably could walk, probably would have run. You know I mean, my parents kind of threw me in everything and anything and just let me figure out what do I like and uh, let me keep doing it kind of thing. I played basketball and baseball all the way up through ninth grade. So I stopped playing basketball in ninth grade just because of the workload of high school. I couldn't really, like, want to say train properly for baseball. So it was either, hey, keep the basketball on the same level as the baseball or take off with the baseball. And I think I made the right decision in the end. So I, I missed basketball. It was a hard decision to make to kind of stop playing. I missed Especially my friends are all on the team and stuff like that. But I always go to the games and you know, continue to support those guys. But, yeah, it was a tough decision to make. I still did, like, a little bit of a rec league uh, basketball this year just to kind of stay in shape and do some easy conditioning, as I called it. You know what I mean? Just kind of, like, running up and down the court and having fun with a couple of high school friends. And so, yeah, that, that was uh, good to get back at it, I guess. 
Now, from a size standpoint, you're, I mean, pretty good size physically for a pitcher, obviously. They list you at 6'4", 220. Is that pretty accurate? And were you always bigger than most kids playing baseball, or did you sprout up late? What was kind of your growth pattern? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'm 6'4", 225 right now. And um, I've always been, I guess, the bigger kid um, all throughout my life. I've never had the, oh, here's eight inches or whatever. I've always been, like, two to four inches every year, you know, even amount of uh, uh, weight distributed onto it. Never really like, oh, here's 35 pounds in an off season or something like that. Never really had to kind of go through one of those growth phases. And I think that's been a, a lot to do with like, I guess, my pitching ability. I never really had to, I guess, reteach myself how to move my levers or whatever like that. Never had to, you know, oh, I grew 10 inches. Now my arm is out of place or my sink. You know what I mean? So I think, I think a lot of that is credit to that. So. Did you always want to pitch? Uh, and if not, when did, when did the pitching itch get there for you? Yeah, I mean, I hit all throughout my life, all the way through high school, and I still hit today. I mean, obviously, this pitching is what's going to take me to the next level wherever I go. Obviously, Virginia gave me the opportunity to go two-way there to hit and pitch. So, obviously, hitting has always been a big part of my game. But, obviously, I think the pitching has always been – I always want to say a level ahead. My dad will say, hey, it's on the same level. but. He's the one watching. I'm, I'm the one swinging. So, um, but I, I think my pitching has always been just more advanced in my competition around me, just on a, a playing field wise. So I've always been. That's what I train for. That's what I should say. I, that's what I've been training for for the last three years. I mean, it's not like I don't want to say like, oh, I go work with a hitting instructor. I work with a pitching instructor. You know, what I mean, I'll, I'll hit and just kind of like, what can I find on the internet, kind of thing. But and incorporating that in my game, but. Pitching is where I've been most focused on. And growing up, were you a Phillies fan? Did you go to a lot of games as a kid? And who were the guys that you wanted to be like growing up? Yeah, so I'm obviously a big Philly guy coming out of the area. Um, Eagles, Sixers, Flyers, anybody. Um, but obviously, I, I lived through the, uh, I guess, the golden age of the Phillies through the 08 and 09-010. Uh, I, I always watched those Roy Halley, the Chase Utley's, the Ryan Howards, all those guys. Um, I guess they were like the role models for me. I mean, I have all the fat heads in my basement and stuff like that of them, like Chase Elliott on the wall. So, yeah, no, those, I always looked up to all those guys. So, your, your pitching obviously has evolved fairly quickly. As you mentioned, you, you kind of study and you, you work with someone. The, the takeoff in the velocity, when did you really start to see that? And what do you think allowed for you to go from a guy who was, what, throwing 90 at 15 to a guy when he's drafted here a couple of years later is on almost 98? Yeah, so I wouldn't say I ever really had the big velocity jump either. I think it's been a credit to the, the consistent gradual height gain and weight gain. I never really like, oh, here's weighted balls, now I throw a 99 or whatever kind of thing. I've always been just, hey, uh, more functionality and strength and stuff like that, adding velocity naturally. I've never been like, oh, I need velocity. I just try to kind of just continue to develop and continue to have it happen naturally, I guess, and learn how to fine-tune with my mechanics and stuff like that and understand how to pitch before, oh, hey, let me go through 100 now and let me learn how to pitch. You know what I mean, it's, it's been a gradual process of both over the time. And a lot has been made of your work with TrackMan and Rapsodo and the data that you're getting. When did that start and how much of that occurred or maybe additionally occurred because of the pandemic itself that prevented you from playing games? 
Yeah, so it's funny. I mean, I don't think without this pandemic, I'd be looking. I'd be looking at myself as the analytical kid kind of thing. I don't think I would have ever really dove into it. I think this pandemic really. I take away the positives of everything that kind of happens. I don't think without this pandemic, I would have ever dove into the track man and the rap soda data and really kind of started breaking down, I guess from an analytical standpoint, what my repertoire was like. And I mean, it, it is crazy. I mean, like after really looking at it and looking at everything, I mean, there's such a bigger part of the game than I actually thought it was. I always, I, I knew that it was out there and never really took advantage of it or anything. I don't think I, I still have taken advantage of it. I think, you know, wherever I go, Virginia or Pro Bowl, I think it's, I think there will be the, the best improvements in understanding, okay, I have a whole off season to learn with it now. Obviously, I guess I had a mini off season or a pretty big off season with the last three months. But, um, yeah, I, I think it'll be a big part of my game going forward after kind of learning how to manipulate the pitches to do what I want them to do and actually understanding, okay, how do my pitches work off each other and not just, oh, hey, the, the, the hitter missed the pitch. Okay, good. You know, kind of thing. And how did you start that contact with Driveline? Did you just email them? Did you tweet them? Did you, how did that start? And, and how helpful has their suggestions, advice been? Yeah, so my representation actually had a contact uh, at Driveline, and he's been – I just kind of like a – I guess like a weekly FaceTime call with him. I'll hop on with a couple of guys, and we'll break down, okay, what I was doing uh, throughout the last three months was like from since like April, I want to say, I did like a bullpen every Tuesday and every Friday. So Friday would be like the, the live sim game, I guess you want to call it. You know, I throw like an up-down or, you know, two innings kind of thing, and then Tuesday would be your side pen. And just kind of kept it like how I'd throw in high school, so – um, so we kind of like focus on, all right, so today let's uh, focus on more curveball or something like that or more change up and how do we want to get the axis, how do we want to get the spin efficiency, what do we want to change a little bit. Um, but, yeah, no, they've been really helpful and they've been really supportive throughout this whole process. And I think it was just, a, I guess, the way that everything lined up and it was just the perfect alignment to kind of really guess to get, to get together and kind of get working together, I guess. As you sit here the day after the draft – what do you see as your biggest strengths? You know what the data says, but what do you see as your greatest strengths, both on the mound, personally, and where do you want to grow the most? Yeah, I think um, my biggest strength is probably my competitiveness. I think whenever I want to go out there, I want to win. I don't want to just go out there and go through the motions and, oh, hey, you did a good job, but we lost kind of thing. I want to always win, no matter what it is, if it's ping pong tables down in my basement or if it's on the baseball field. Um, I enjoy competing and everything like that. And I think it's the biggest asset I have is never kind of giving up or anything like that. Continuing to keep going competing, you know, making my coach make the decision to pull me out of the game, not myself. Like, Oh, I'm good for the day. coach. Did you know Austin Hendrick who also got drafted out of Western Pennsylvania? Did you ever compete against him? I actually never got to play against him just because of our location. I think we were only want to play each other, maybe States and we never made it to States. So, um, I, I think I got to watch him play down East Coast Pro. We played against him, but I didn't get to pitch against him. But, no, he's a really good player as well. Representing PA well, I guess. Yeah, I mean, for, for a state that's known as a quote-unquote cold-weather state, to have two guys in the first round is a, is a pretty strong accomplishment. Um, when the Rays called your name, what did it mean to you? And, and what did you think when you heard, oh, it's the Rays who are picking me? Obviously, first off, I thought, Okay, Florida, that's good. It's down south. You know, we're getting a little warmer now. Um, but I think, obviously, they have a great, great track record of uh, developing pitchers and hitters and everything, developing young talent and stuff like that in their systems and uh, pulling guys up quickly. And I, I can't wait to 
I guess, get going with them and, you know, I mean, learn how far I can get with their, their staff and their, um, you know, with all those guys. I think they've done a great job of developing talent. I think I'm, I'm I guess I'm in the best situation for them as well because I'm a young pitcher, obviously. I guess uh, a piece of clay almost, as I describe it. You know I mean, I'm still getting molded and they still have time to let me grow and figure out myself. You know I mean? Was there anything that stuck out in the Zoom interview you did with them before the draft? And if so, what? <sighs> Not really much. I mean, I guess we had a little bit of contact. I wouldn't even say we had the most contact with the Rays. It was weird. It was like – the team we had the least amount of contact with was the one that picked me. And I think it, everything works out for a reason. But obviously, I think they're really, I guess, player developmental side um, friendly. I mean, they're not just, oh, we need to win at the big league level. We want to develop these kids and uh, get them up to the system and have them impact our, um, our big league roster. I think their the philosophy is their draft. The draft is big for them just because they can't go out and sign the, you know, the Garrett Coles of the world and the Steven Strasburgs. And I think – it proves that they have to, I mean, really develop their system and uh, have homegrown talent, I guess. Well, we hope uh, we're speaking one day about the start of your uh, development in the Rays organization. We wish you the best of luck. We congratulate you on your family and what hopefully was an awesome day and a, a great start to uh, hopefully what's a long, successful professional career. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Really interesting conversation with Nick Bitsko, and hopefully he does end up going to the Rays and beginning his professional career. I, I tend to believe um, that it's an opportunity that would be very difficult for a guy like that with his talents to pass up. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, meanwhile, the Rays, with their second pick and the last one of the first round, took a shortstop, and that being Alika Williams. Um, and Alika was extremely excited when I chatted with him on Thursday about the Rays picking him. Man, it was, it was, it was a long day, you know, um, not a lot of action leading up to that. And everything just kind of happened within a couple minutes, you know, it was one minute my phone rang on the phone, looked at the TV and I was, they said my name. So it all happened so fast. And, um, obviously going on day one is an honor and, uh, it's something that you dream of as a kid. So, yeah, it, it was really cool. <laughs> Did you play at Koi with your parents and whoever else was in the house and then the room erupted or or did you – or could they tell by the call that you were getting picked? So I got the call and um, it was just me and my parents and my two siblings and um, they started freaking out a little bit, you know. They, they, they thought something was going to happen and then um, – it just kind of happened, you know, they, they called my name and my parents just, you know, goosebumps right now. I'm getting chills just thinking about it, but um, it was there. They're very happy. With what Are I you think. the oldest in the, yeah. in the house? I am. So I, I'm sure. And, and I would assume first professional athlete too in the, in the family. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Unless I, my dad played baseball and I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> You went to a prestigious school, um, Rancho Bernardo, in high school before you went to Arizona State. Were you always a baseball player growing up? Um, actually, before baseball, I played a little golf. That, that was my main thing. Um, I played until I was about 12, you know, playing in tournaments and stuff. And that's what my dad did. And then um, I started playing baseball, and I fell in love with it. So um, I guess you could say I've always played it, but I didn't start playing like travel ball and all that stuff until a little later. And you, um, were you always a shortstop? Uh, yeah, pretty much like shortstop or second base, uh, anywhere up the middle. I've always kind of stuck there. So 
We'll Did you that. grow up going to games as a kid? I know Rancho Bernardo is what, not that far from San Diego. Is that the closest major league park? And if not, what is? Yeah. So San Diego, the Padres, I think it's like a 25 minute drive. So um, we'd go catch games. I actually was born in San Francisco. And when I was little, my, my parents would take me to uh, the Giants games. And uh, I, I don't really remember it, but we'd go watch Barry Bonds and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, we grew up going to ball games, and uh, I love that. Lo- love it so much. As a young shortstop, who did you emulate? Who did you want to be like? And when did you decide, hey, it would be great if someday I could do this professionally? I mean, a lot of – obviously, um, Derek Jeter is, you know, the GOAT. So, um, well, he's definitely one of them. But I think more recently it's been like Brandon Crawford uh, just because I like the Giants growing up and – I love the way he plays. Uh, I could watch him field routine ground balls all day, you know. So um, definitely Brandon Crawford. And then uh, this this sort of started this dream started to you know become more realistic. I think senior year of high school, um, we had a really good uh, one of my best friends. He went in the second round out of Rancho Bernardo, Calvin Mitchell. And just when the scouts would come see him play, they'd like get a glimpse of me, and then. I ended up getting drafted out of high school, uh, I think in the 32nd round. So that's when, you know, I was like, okay, this is, this is realistic after college. So. Was there any thought in your mind of not going to college and starting your pro career coming out of high school? I know you said 32nd round, or was it almost, Hey, it was nice. They drafted me, but I still need the development in college. I think from the get go, I was pretty dead set on going to college. Um, and looking back on it, it was the right move. Um, I just needed to develop a little bit more, get a little stronger and, um, you know, live on my own. You know, that, that's, that's also a big part of it. So I think I've really matured in all those areas. From a high school standpoint, I mentioned you went to a really good program and you mentioned you had a second round pick um, your senior year of high school. Uh, that's also a school where Cole Hamels went, where the Blaylocks went, who played Major League Baseball. Um, how much does that help and how good is the program there in terms of setting a foundation for your college? Um, I think it helped tremendously. Um, we'd always have guys back, you know, hanging around the alumni that played in the pros. Like uh, Trevor Williams was always around there throwing bullpens. Cole Hamels comes back every year and he donates a lot to the program. Um, Ghost K. Coteau, second baseman, I think second round to the Yankees a couple years before me. So it's really cool just to have them all come back and, um, you know, getting texts from a couple of those guys. Uh, it's really cool, you know, um, just to have that culture. And they've done a really good job over at that school. You, um, you mentioned, uh, you know, going to Arizona State and how much they helped you grow. Where do you think you grew the most? Where do you think you've improved the most since you went there? Um, I'd say I definitely got bigger. I gained, I think, 30 pounds from high school to my junior year of college. So, I mean, that was a clear night and day kind of thing for me. And then I think uh, Skip and the whole coaching staff helped me to slow the game down. Um, You know, a lot of young players, they play at 100 miles per hour all the time, but sometimes you just got to take a step back and, you know, realize it's baseball and you got time to make this play, like just little things like that. So I think that was one of the biggest areas I grew, you know, um, being able to slow the game down and uh, improve my internal clock, you know, defensively and at the plate as well. You drew raise from your growth last year offensively. 
where did you grow on the offensive side of the baseball? I'd say, um, you know, hitting for a little bit more power. <laughs> that, that, that's always been something that I, I, I strive to do. And I think I can improve that more um, in the years to come. But I think that's where I made some of my biggest strides, just being able to drive the ball to the all fields. You had a relationship with the Rays before the draft came all the way back to high school. So was it surprising at all? Tell us about the relationship. Or was it surprising at all the day where the team would pick you? Um, yeah. So going back, I played for Jaime Jones on the Rays scout team. And he went to RB, obviously. He was a very high draft pick at RB. So um, that relationship has just stayed pretty consistent and has evolved and grown over the years. And um, it, was, it was really cool to get that call from them just because of our history and um, how much I, I, I've, I've been around Jaime and all that. So it, it was really cool. <clears throat> I'm sure this year has to be kind of like a wave of emotion. You, you were drafted, and that's first round incredible. But you also, the pandemic obviously shut down your junior year and you guys were a top 10 team. When did you realize that your college season was done and how was, what was that like the last couple of months as you kind of started training for the draft, so to speak? Yeah. Um, we actually found out on my birthday, on my 21st birthday. So um, we all were in the clubhouse and Skip, our head coach, uh, you know, we had a team meeting and, he told us the season was over and I don't think we really knew what to do. You know, like no one, no one knew what to do. Um, it was very, it was a very big shock and it was very frustrating just because of how special this team was. Um, I really think we had a shot at a national championship this year in Omaha with Torkelson going one, one and a couple, couple more guys that are probably going to go today as well. So it was, it was very sad and frustrating and uh, yeah, it sucked. <laughs> Did you then train at home in California or did you train in Arizona for the most part before the draft? What'd you do? So I was in Arizona for probably two weeks and then Arizona state closed all their facilities and uh, just because of coronavirus and what was going around. So I came home and I was fortunate enough to have a lot of resources. Um, I had like a full weight room at my buddy's house and he had a cage and a machine. So we were able to, get hacks in pretty much every day. And then on Saturdays, we were able to see some live pitching um, up in Huntington Beach. So it wasn't as much as I'd like to have gotten, but it was more than a lot of people had access to. So I was, I was very blessed. <clears throat> so all of your Arizona team, state teammates were split up when the draft mm -hmm. occurs. So um, how, many, uh, how, how much did your phone blow up after pick 37? Oh, it was insane. It's still, it's still going nuts right now. Um, it, I was getting texts. I'd probably have like a thousand texts right now. It's crazy. But um, yeah, from all my teammates, we had a couple FaceTime calls yesterday with um, some of my roommates. It, it was cool. <clears throat> what did it mean to see Spencer Torkelson go one? And what did he mean to you? What's the friendship like between the two of you? Torque, oh man, he, he, he's, he can't, you can't name a better guy to be around, you know, um, so much talent and so much, um, skill and just to be that humble is, is a great combination. So hats off to him. He's, he, he's earned it. I think hands down unanimous. It was the right decision by the Tigers. And, um, 
and yeah, just a great dude. You know, I got to spend a lot of time with him overseas, and well, our relationship really grew this past year. So, <clears throat> and from that standpoint, you know, the relationship you had with him, you hit cleanup, you hit behind him. Did you get teased a little bit? Hey, I mean, you're, I know you got bigger this year, or you've grown 30 pounds since you got into college, but did you get teased at all about, hey, the, the littler guy is hitting cleanup behind, behind Torque? Oh, yeah. Every, every time the lineup would get posted, you know, Skip would make a comment, smallest cleanup hitter in the nation, like all this stuff. So um, it, he made it, those guys made it really easy to hit cleanup. You know, they'd be on second and third with, one out, two outs, and there, there's no pressure, you know. Um, so I really enjoyed hitting behind Torkelson. As you get set to start your pro career, what do you think is your greatest strength right now? And where do you want to grow the most as a pro? Um, I'd say my greatest strength is with my glove. Um, I, 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 I've always prided myself in playing consistent and solid defense. So I, I really think that's one of my better things that I can do. And then um, somewhere I'd like to grow, um, I'd like to hit for a little bit more power, um, do a little more damage with that. And uh, I think I could steal some bags. I think I can be one of those guys. So um, that's something I want to focus on as well. And is there any question in your mind that you're going to start your pro career? It's just a matter of hopefully putting everything together and getting it done. Yeah, it's just about working everything out right now. And, you know, these are crazy times. So, um, I, yeah, it's just about getting a solid schedule set up and get it going. You know, I'm excited. I'm, I'm really excited to get to work. We're excited for you too. And we wish you best of luck in the start of your pro career. Enjoy the time that you do have with your family now. And hopefully we'll be seeing you. Uh, Tropicana Field, uh, starting your pro career sooner than later. That'd be awesome. That, <laughs> that's the goal, right? Certainly appreciate the time of Alika Williams and also Nick Bitsko on our podcast today. And again, for details on all of the race selections, you can go to our blog, raceradio.moblogs.com. And you can continue to pick up on some great podcasts that we're doing. We've got another alumni podcast coming up with Johnny Gomes. We'll continue to have race players and coaches and media on our regular weekly podcasts. Uh, so continue to enjoy, continue to stay safe, and we'll chat with you soon. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.